0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice.
1: Hey, Jamie, AKA Sound of Fractures, welcome to Headliner Radio. How are you doing? I'm just setting up, getting ready for my day, um, which consists of
0: many, many things these days, not just making music.
1: Yeah, are you in London today?
0: I am. Yeah, I'm in London and it's absolutely beautiful. It's been like three weeks. It's absolutely stunning. It's like, oh, this is what life is meant
1: to feel feel like. <laughs> I remember yeah. this feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, you sort of my sort of assumed yourself Londonish, is that obviously don't give no, like your not. postcode on the um I'm on the not, I'm,
0: well I'm based I'm based ETH, but like I'm a, I'm North London born and born and raised, really. But like all around kind of, you know. Um from Hackney to Wood Green to Manor House, Finsbury Park, all those areas kind of moving around my whole life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I, I'm a Londoner.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, to fully introduce you, I'd love to hear about, you know, getting into music as a younger person, how, when about electro- electronic music in particular started seeping into your life and um, particular influences who've been key throughout your life?
0: Electronic music started seeping into my life. I mean, actually, I kind of started out very much into like hip hop and soul music and I started playing in a band when I was a teenager. But in that period, of course, like drum and bass and garage was just having this massive moment. Um, and that was like the one thing that we had that felt like ours. So I got drawn very much into that. Um, I was going raving a lot. Um, I guess the whole kind of like Bristol sound was really big for me. So mm. I was already into things like Massive Attack and Tricky and um porter's head and things like that because for me it kind of crossed over quite closely to i guess like radiohead and uncle and there was all those kind of things going on then that to me was really exciting like mis- mixing like electronic music with what was like indie at the time mm. um, and that kind of just pulled me into the bristol scene i guess like runny size um, and represent um dj crust and die And those, that generation of drum bass producers, um, I guess, like, you know, on the peripherals of people like Adam F and things like that. And yeah, just going to Fabric and driving to Brighton and driving to Bristol and and going raving, basically.
1: No, amazing. And um, I think, because this will be a big theme of the interview, with you being so interested in, like, alternative technology and approaches to pursuing a music career, when you look back on those days, does that sort of make sense? with a things you're interested obviously there wasn't web free and music back then but were there any sort of running threads throughout your life that um sort of join those dots if that makes sense
0: yeah i I always i think so definitely like i mean i have this obsession with like sample based music um and obviously that is you know or was at a time like cutting edge technology but i think Mm -hmm. one of the things that i was thinking about recently is There's this similarity between like using technology to kind of reinvent things that are already out there which is kind of what sampling was right which is looking back on it was this really beautiful moment where all these like tricky and and those people were kind of taking what hip-hop was doing and and doing it in a very british way and drum and bass was that too right like it was jungle to start with Mm. and it was taking all these sounds from different places and speeding them up and slowing down and kind of reinventing them into like new formats um and and styles. And that's kind of how I see my interest in technology continuing. And also, like, I'm not massively into this whole kind of like 3D AI art thing. And that's just because my personal love is this kind of like wonkiness and imperfections that I I love in music. And, you know, I see in everything from, I don't know, you know, from the rap records I love back in the day, you know, like Wu-Tang to Kanye West to... To Aphex Twin, to Jamie XX, to Frank Ocean, there's like, um, for me, there's like a lot of similarities in all those artists' output, which is kind of this, mm. you know, like a m- emotional thing that's happening through kind of like the meshing of like electronic and samples and like old music styles and new music styles. Um, and maybe that's, I think, like all producers are quite open to new technology, right? Like, the the Web3 thing, when people first started talking to me about like, blockchain, it just felt like another challenge, right? Like it's, you know, I have a producer for it, you're like, oh, I just can't, I can't deal with all that. And I'm like, I've watched you learn how to do modular synthesis. It's not as complicated as that, right? Like it's not as complicated as coding your own native instruments plugins or building your own, you know, live um plugins, live for Macs. It's just like a, there's definitely like a, mental block relating to yeah the reputation that crypto has had that, that mm. forms a big but you know even even someone recently I was explaining how they bought their music off Bandcamp and I was like how do you listen to it they're like oh you know I take it off Bandcamp I download it I put it in iTunes I go to the iTunes settings I convert to an I convert to MP3 then I have to use this other program then I like load it into my you know then I have to plug in my phone then I have to I'm just like that is complicated <laughs> that's complicated <laughs> right it takes time yeah but you're just yeah. the m p three going the first time you probably someone like that probably went into their iTunes settings to so go to import settings and change the importer making sure it was on three twenty instead of one twenty eight was probably complicated for them but it you know obviously there is the crypto rails and money thing which is slightly different but yeah I think as producers we're always learning things it's just part of um the kind of fearless approach you have to have or at least my generation has had to have um maybe maybe that's getting less of that i do think that we came up at a time where we just had to learn new stuff all the time that's what it was that's how you kept up was learning new stuff
1: yeah i'm completely with you on the ai thing by the way i'd much rather if an artist dropped a single i'd much rather see some Old picture from their iPhone library, or some crappy Polaroid or something. Then, yeah, I'm just not into this AI. at least not yet. I don't know if
0: it's it's been a complicated time for that. I think I don't know. It's weird, right? Because we had this time where like it was all about the musician's story again because it was too much music. Yeah. Um, but I do I do like the I uh, you know I grew up also loving. I'm trying to think of projects off the top of my head now, but loving things like. Trying to think of something that people might actually have heard of, but even Apex Twin, right? Like things where you can have a persona that isn't about like your private life. So I do, yeah, I do get that. But me personally have always been much more into music that's about the people and where they come from, or at least like it draws from that. Um, so yeah, mm. I, I, I I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I guess when people do stuff that is really unique, that is interesting, um, mm-hmm. but it's just not usually big. Been- objects that i am invested
1: in. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm also not a,
0: ga- not a gamer, and I think that's the yeah. kind of thing, right? Like the Computer games, growing up, non-stop obsessively, but not in this, like, contemporary context of, like, being a gamer. Um, and I think yeah. that that thing as well of, like, worlds, like, magical, mythical worlds and stories. <laughs>
1: um. No, it's so interesting what you're saying, because it got me thinking about how I can't think of many scenes that have been m- more DIY than, you know, Jungle, uh, Garage Drum and Bass, Grime, because these are sounds that no, obviously initially no labels wanted to touch or no one wanted to put money into these things. And of course you had pirate radio. And so it makes so much sense. You, um, you're like so influenced by them in your approach these days, it feels that's like that's to me.
0: I do like some I do lecturing as well. Like one of my things that I'm most interested in is like scenes and where music comes from and mm-hmm. how sounds are born. And you are constantly having this discussion about how there's no genre anymore. Don't people don't want to be in a genre, but music always comes from somewhere. At least the stuff that I really love does. Um and that like that matters to me. It's also kind of why I got into the crypto stuff, right? Because the or the blockchain, I should say. Um mm. Because it was like a niche area that felt like, you know, basically a bunch of people doing something that everyone else thought didn't get that felt different and and refreshing um, in the same way that new music sounds do. I think there's like a synergy there, Um, Mm. but maybe not not culturally in the same way, but definitely in terms of like, yeah, groups of people coming together with a shared interest and passion of something.
1: Yeah, in fact, yeah, I did, I did a history of popular music module at uni, and for the last essay, we had to like talk about a scene and how it was tied to a place. And I just immediately thought of grime being from like Newham, Bow, Hackney, and yeah, it's just so interesting how the, the place kind of births the music, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you know society and government and you know all those things, right? Like the loss of the loss of um, youth centres at that time and grime yeah. music, a big role. There's all these things. Obviously, if you speak to people who are there from the start, they don't, never called it grime, right? That's the interesting mm-hmm. thing about, like, labelling, but you can't deny that there is a story and a thing happening there and a sound that originated from, like, points in time.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. But, um yeah, so Anna fractures is a relatively young, new project, right? So, yeah, it just talks through... uh you're kind of, well, was it a music career prior to that? Were you already earning an income from music? And yeah, what were you up to musically? I was,
0: yeah. I've only just started talking about this. So I'm trying to be like more, just like straight up about everything that I've been doing. I, I actually started out making hip hop, um, just making. Well, I started in a band, and I started making beats. But my career started out making beats with a friend Ooh. of mine, and we were in a production duo. Um, my name Adam, and we made beats, we made sample based hip hop and that's like, we put out our own records, our friends ran club nights. And we were just a part of like a UK hip hop thing that was happening. That was really exciting to us. And, and we had some, we definitely had like a bit more of a commercial head on our shoulders cause we played instruments hmm. and Adam, my partner made a beat or made some beats with an artist called skinny man. who's was like a UK rapper. who was like one of oh, the first wow. ones to get a dick. Mm-hmm. And we had cuts on that album and that was like our first like money that we got paid for records um and then off the back of that we just kind of got pulled into pop music and just off the just off the back of having beats right like a couple of a and r people put us in the room with like songwriters who could help us turn those beats into songs with artists and we just got pulled in and obviously that was really exciting for us right like we got a publishing deal and had to go do sessions in america but. We started on this long journey, which I didn't realise at the time, it was very much about just, like, getting cuts and, you know, getting the records out. And we lived and we travelled, and it was very exciting. But after doing that for quite a long time, if you don't get those, like, really big records, you suddenly realise you're just on this never-ending treadmill of, like, making records on other people's terms. And I was watching, like, other people doing things that I wanted to do. And that was happening because they were, you know, making cool shit happen on their own. And then the industry or artists were coming to them for that thing that they did. And it was always happening in the background around me. And I was just, you know, music is one of those things that everyone you just get caught up in, right? Like I was getting caught up in trying to make money, trying to be a successful music producer and time just flies by really fast. And you make hundreds and hundreds of songs and they don't come out. And uh, a lot of people are really cool with that and fine with it. And, really, I just realized I wasn't, I wasn't really happy. And I think that's because when writing a lot of the music was about like how I felt in that moment. While a lot of people who make pop music are very good at just like churning stuff out is disingenuous, Mm. but very good at just like having that kind of approach of just more, 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 making more, more, more very productive in that way.
1: Yeah. It's more like a blueprint,
0: isn't it? Yeah, and, and they're very good at executing and they're great at developing a style. But for me, it felt quite emotionally draining. And also the conversations afterwards felt very emotionally draining, like dealing with managers and labels. And, you know, I just, you know, I can't remember exactly when it clicked, but it, I, there was definitely like, I I <laughs> one of the last points was I did a session with like a big artist that ended up being a good song. But the back end of that was lots of arguments over getting paid. And I kind of felt like, Well, if it was a really good song and i really loved working with them and they loved working with me and it's still ending like this this doesn't feel good um and then i also (laughs) made a project with a friend of mine that we did to be independent and it did really well and we signed a deal because when the deal came we were like yeah this is our shot um and we got a good advance and we signed to a major and we made a record for a year in a deal but it never came out and that was just kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. I came out of that project exhausted. I was like mm. helping MD the band. We had like an MD and my friend of mine who was very good. And I was helping doing that and I was helping doing the mixing and I was producing it and I was co-writing it and we were going out shooting videos. I basically just got really ill, got like mm. a nerve condition in my hands from just not stopping working, like really bad RSI um, in my shoulders. And was told by doctors and like specialists that I couldn't use computers for six months, and I stopped oh, wow. working for six months. <laughs> and um, in that time, I met my girlfriend, uh, my current partner, and the fa- uh, mother of my children, not <laughs> father. Um, and yeah, like it was, it was like a run of like three years. Like I got ill, and I came back, and I came back kind of being like, oh, I'm like doing exercise, and I'm living, I'm going out, and I'm traveling, mm-hmm. and I'm doing all the things i would put on hold for so long and this feels good and i'm also you know that was kind of around the time that i started sound of fractures but it was it was just remixes on soundcloud actually that i was doing in my spare time because i could only work for like an hour or two maximum a day in 20 minute runs mm-hmm. um, and a few of them just started getting lots of views on soundcloud and it kind of reignited my um yeah, it reignited my enthusiasm for making music. And I got a couple of sessions with quite good artists off the back of it without them knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. One of those the big artists that I mentioned um, that didn't, you know, the end product wasn't a good end product for me personally, emotionally, even though the record came out Yeah, and I was just like, you know what? I need to find another way to earn money while I work out what this music thing is. So I, I started mm-hmm. doing that like, production, library music. Film. sorry this is a very long answer to your question but no, no it's great <laughs> um, it is you know i think this is what happens to a lot of us right i ended up doing other things for money and actually that was really good because i was doing music for tv and film and it wasn't super cool but like it was still stuff i liked making mm. and i remember delivering and then paying me and i was just like that's it there's not like 10 rounds of changes there's not like four other producers you want to work on it we don't have to like rewrite the chorus in the mid eight, five times, mm-hmm. you know, like that was, I just delivered it. and was like, it's finished. And they were like, great. It's finished and paid me. And I was like, oh shit, this is so different. <laughs> it's like a different yeah. life. Um, But quite quickly that again became something that I was doing a lot of. And again, I started to question myself, like that is a really cool career. Like a lot of people would love that. But I still had this feeling of like, if I don't try this artist thing, I'm going to regret it. Um, So I I started doing, through a friend of mine, some lecturing, and I kind of balanced a bit of, like, library work, doing some teaching and talking about additional production and mixing and some of the pop stuff I did, and doing Sound of fractures. and I just let it be slow. And I think that's been really hard, but also, you know, part of the experiment is to just let this thing unfold at its own pace without the pressure, because there is no pressure other than what I put on myself, which is which is different. And the pressure you put on yourself is often the worst. So that's also a battle. Um, cause I am ambitious, but I think just letting it be what it is. And I, and I kind of really doubled down on that. Like I really found like a really strong identity in that, which is just that like, yes, it's wonky. Yes, it's imperfect. And in a, in a sea of like electronic music, which is perfect. You know, I run a playlist like on Spotify. Um, that I are starting off with just my own playlist that does quite well. I get submissions mm-hmm. every day. And all of the music is good, right? Like it's really, yeah. really shit music. It's just all good. They're all really good young producers. It all sounds a bit like Fred again and Bicep and, you know, Barry Can't Swim and all that stuff. It all sounds like that music, right? And if you put it all on most of it, okay, if you put 50% of it together on a record with those artists, I probably wouldn't notice that much difference, right? Mm-hmm. like... A normal person wouldn't, which is not a diss, it's just, it made me really think about like, what is this thing you're doing and how does it stand out? Um, and that's kind of what I've been trying to really sort of focus on and think about, which is just like, um, yeah. Like what, what is this thing? How do I embed this like love of like wonky and perfect music in what I do? And, and part of that has been not doing vocal features. So I don't have to like deal with like other people's, the release schedules, other people's managers, other people's lawyers. Um part of that is like what happens if one of these things does well and I own a hundred percent, right? Like I own all the masters, I own all the 100 percent of the masters, a hundred percent of the publishing. Um, and maybe this takes longer, but in this period of time, I build a lot, a big catalogue, which is just that I own. Um, and I've had a couple of little sinks and things off the back of it, and that's been quite amazing because I was like, Oh, I don't have to give 50% of this fee away or 80% of this fee. Mm-hmm. Like it was only, and I say only because it's still a lot of money, but like 5K it was a big amount for me to get for a sink. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like an online sink. But, you know, like in most people's situations, you lose 80% of that. And that's for a good reason. You know, I have to do a lot of work. You know, me and my friend Casper, who is kind of uh, my manager and helps, helps me with my stuff, is, you know, we're a label. No one ever talks about that, right? Like you do a distribution deal, but who's the label? There is work. Labels do work. You have to coordinate everything. You have to promote everything yourself. And yeah. as you know, um, so there's, it, it's like a. It's a. I call it an experiment in a way because I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just what happens for me. It's like what happens if I do this on my own and see how far I can take this thing. And I still want to put out music on labels and I still want to work with other people. But to kind of lay the foundations, I wanted to get to a certain point. Um, in control myself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sound of fractures, right? It's like, it's me making very emotional, honest music that sounds, you know, in my attempt to sound like me. And, you know, I do a lot of that by putting my life, sampling my life and putting it in the music as well, literally to build the story and kind of help tell that story. And mm. yeah, it's, it's challenging. It's not rave music. It's not chill music, so it sits in this kind of, like, uncomfortable gap, which is quite hard to promote because it doesn't fit on, you know, doesn't fit on, like, summer hits. It doesn't fit on, you know, there's only, like, two playlists it fits on if you're talking about, like, that Spotify pathway. Um, And it doesn't suit, it doesn't always suit, that's not true. There are songs that do, but, you know, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't hit those obvious things, right? It's not doing that Fred again thing of, like, club music like fun club yeah. music and it's not it's not doing that Tobin atmospheric chill thing either or bonobo it's kind of sitting in this gap in the middle. Um so yes yeah, I guess yeah that's why I have to call it an experiment because I like the idea of people being along for the journey and being a part of the experiment. Hmm.
1: Yeah I mean if anyone's like writes music with a Spotify playlist in mind then <laughs> that gives me the GBs a bit but um yeah so your first EP was um with, um real Sorry. friends and um uh, yeah, how was it self-releasing that and um were you um experimenting with any Web3 or anything for that first uh, release or was that more of a traditional just Spotify and everything?
0: It release? became a it became a combination, weirdly. I put I put out the EP first. Um mm. And I used some money that I got for some post-royalties. And I was just like, if I take this other work, then I can use that money to put it into my music. So I just had like a budget. I used all my friends, that was kind of the point. Like my one of my really close friends did the artwork, um, did the videos, another close friend helped me master it. The photos for the artwork were pictures from my mum's wall. Mm-hmm. And it was very much just DIY, you know, the usual things using Submit Hub, sharing it online. And actually, even it's crazy to think even in like three, is it two or three years that, that e- how much social media has changed even in that time? Right. Like yeah. I was just sharing the creative work, you know, clips from the video and any bits of press that I got. I wasn't really making content in any way. So it wasn't the workload doesn't feel as bad as it is now but yeah i just did it on my own single by single pretty normal style release i did um Mm. i'm really into like visual stuff and i collaborated with a friend of mine he's a really great director and he used a lot of found footage from his travels and my phone to kind of make i guess like a visualizer it wasn't quite a music video but like a visual vibe for each song Mm. and uh, Off the back of that, I just started to see some stuff on web three. And I think it wasn't so much just like the the fact that people were making money. But I was really into this idea of I was making these really beautiful collaborations where the music and the visual really related because I was like a really big fan of music videos, you know, like I love all those early like Radiohead, Massive Attack things where like, you know, all like Michelle Gondry collaborations and things where like, it's about this kind of like synergy between two art forms mm-hmm. and I was struck this, like, Oh, I'm putting it on YouTube, but no one sees it. Right. Like I can't promote both the streaming link and the YouTube link. It was like, I didn't know where to put the small budgets I had. And when I found the web three thing, I think I, I quite quickly got my head around i was very lucky to find like some quite like good circles of clever people rather than the speculative thing. And I quickly kind of started to understand it as this like empty box. So even when I went into that scene, I was very much like an outlier because people were doing music and NFTs and that meant a music piece of artwork and an audio file, just like Bandcamp, right? But Mm -hmm. they, you know, the point was it was like digital scarcity, you know, like, artists can sell prints of their pictures and retain ownership of the original and still sell by it still has value and music had never had that so people were really excited about that and i was too but i was also very excited about this idea that i could take the video and the music and put like a value on it and sell it in the same way that we would sell an audio file or a cd or a physical piece of merchandise so mm. to me i was very much in the art comparison lane where i was like okay these artists they have this original piece of work they sell derivatives of it. They retain ownership, and they can go out and sell the physical prints of these things. And I was like, we just don't have that as outside of vinyl, right? And vinyl and is very expensive to make. That's the other thing, right? Like people say, just do merch and vinyl. But independent artists can't afford that. It costs loads of money to do vinyl, and it takes months. And major labels have priority on production. It's just, yeah. and you have to pay twenty five pounds a month for Shopify, and you have to, you know, it's just. It was exciting to have a digital item that you could sell and, you know, it could be rare, it could be collectible. You could you could assign, you know, (laughs) essentially a receipt to it that said this is the thing um, in the same way that artists could. Uh, It just takes people a while to get their head around that. But it was this thing of like, okay, there are people out there that value digital assets. They value buying things digitally. what does that look like for music? And my first experience after sort of going in Discord a lot and just listening to people talk on Twitter spaces and like Clubhouse and just learning and just enjoying learning something different and new was that I just felt like the shackles are being lifted off me. I was like, every release is like you upload the song, you do an out now, you do a stream it now, you, you know, you do the pre save, you send it to Submit Hub. You mail it to radio, BBC Uploader, and then you just do it again. And you do it again and again. Um, and I was just feeling very constrained by that. And I was really excited. And my thinking on this has kind of developed a lot, but I was very excited about this idea of like, I could just put whatever I want in this box, this digital box and sell it. And for me at the time, it was the visuals. I did the visualizers with the music and I put them on like a very open source, you know, common platform. And I just... I wrote, I wrote like a blog post for the first time about my story. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really interesting journey for me where like the, the people that I was chatting to started buying the work and I was like, Oh, you're buying this thing. And they're like, yeah, I read that post you did about your story and it really inspired me and it made me want to support your journey. And I was like, that was just really different to me. I was like, that is really different. Like people are buying the music because they're into me as a person they're into like this idea of who I am beyond the music and because of the piece of work and they're happy to own both right they're excited about owning this thing but they're also like it signifies like I don't know it kind of signifies you're like part of this artist's journey in a way that other stuff doesn't and people don't see that yet but I do think ownership is the next big phase of the internet you know being able to own and prove something um will become huge even if people don't understand that it's you know underpinned by blockchain but i think all of those things were exciting to me the fact that like people's instagram accounts were getting hacked and their whole career was getting dumped mm-hmm. you know like we were just relying on all these platforms that had so much control over our lives and i just found this you know i was quite excited about this niche where i just felt like oh i can do I can do whatever i want right like i i was minting like demos right like mm-hmm. to li- copies of the very original like draft of a song and people were buying it and then when the, orig- when the main version came out as a single they were excited because they were like you know i own this little thing like owning an artist's sketchbook of a, of a painting mm-hmm. um, and i guess the main thing being, whenever i speak to people about like this stuff is not all the deep complicated things is purely we are just doing things because of a system right you know if you want to get really deep because of like major labels right they decided to monetize the audio file in a certain way therefore the whole music industry is based off monetizing audio files mm. and that is entire lives you know it's just like do these numbers next to this mp3 go up or do they go down am i good or am i bad right <laughs> and we know it's more than that, right? Like it's an experience and, and things like that, but it's very hard to separate yourself from that as like a young musician or any musician, you know, separate these ways that we've become accustomed to valuing our art from our experience of making it. Um, so like all of this stuff, as you can tell, is like super interesting to me. Um, <laughs> and I I'm just trying to experiment Yeah. Like what, what, you know, what if we don't just do all these things? What if we don't think this way, but at the same time I have to play the game, right? Like I still need people to hear my music, (laughs) but yeah, Mm. that, that, that everything. And it just felt very aligned, right. Real friends was about like doing things on my own, telling a story, being, rethinking what an independent career could be. And then I discovered this new technology and it kind of was like the perfect timing. It made perfect sense to explore this world. A world where people cared about your story um, mm. in a time where I was trying to tell a, a very like honest down-to-earth story, which was just one of a struggling musician trying to work out what the hell this thing is, how to yeah. make it
1: work. the I love the title song, um, Real Friends, so much and it's wonderful to see. It really seems to have taken off on Spotify, but people might see that as face value and think, well, it's doing well on Spotify, so why the need for all this other weird stuff? <laughs> he's into obviously, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Not, it's just increasingly not the answer spotify isn't it and um so but yeah but i wanted to ask what, what was sounds like you were more experimenting with real friends what was your first like web free release uh proper not just in case anyone doesn't know what the hell web free means that sort of the internet in the age of blockchains that a sort of layman's yeah term?
0: yeah it's not really like a technical term right it's just like i think that people say like there, I'm trying to remember the analogy, but like web one was like this thing that you could explore. Web two, people would describe as being when we could publish ourselves for free. So like we could yeah. publish our music, we could publish, um, you know, our photos, you know, other people were doing the work to host the content and we could publish it. Mm. And, and web three is kind of the best because is, is this idea of like ownership, you know, like the blockchain yeah. is Course, anyone can build on it so I guess everyone's experimenting and that was what was exciting I think the most exciting thing for me was I could do something different for every release so you know I was quite excited at this idea of doing different prices for different songs different editions you know like I would do a song that was really cheap that mm. there was like 200 of and then I could do a song that was quite expensive there was only five of and mm. In that process, I was meeting all these people and that co- those connections were really strong. There's like like um, a really engaged group of people that wanted to collect music, the same way that people collect vinyl or trainers, right? Like, they're people who are passionate about a thing and it kind of has like a culture and a vibe around it and mm. just meeting all these people from all over the world who liked all different types of music and that was just really exciting and all of a sudden I was You know, it felt like there's a lot of moments that felt like the things that we loved about music, you know, like I was using a a platform called Sound at one point where you would do like a drop party, which sounds like ugly language, but essentially Mm. it was a premiere and you would get all your friends together online and you would play the song for the first time and it would go live, available to buy in that moment, live on air, and there would only be 25 editions. Right. You could only anyone could hear it for free, but you could only buy 25 and they would be numbered one to 25. And it just felt like it just felt like listening to like, I don't know, like Zane Lowe's hottest record. Like when that was like a thing that I was excited about, it just felt like that moment again of like people coming together to be a part of a thing. I know that's still happening in IRL, but for those of us who were living, you know, online due to location or lifestyle or whatever, Mm. There were just all these things that felt exciting to me about it. And then I was selling that thing in that moment and making like a grand and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a huge amount of money, but a grand and a half is like three or 400,000 streams. Right. And it's it's really hard as an independent artist to get that many streams these days. Mm. Right. Like, and that's probably, like, a good stream rate because it's not, you know, as we know now, it's starting to unfold that not all streams are equal, right? Mm-hmm. Premium streams are worth more. UK and tier one streams are worth more. So it's not always a grand and a half. Um, so it was just really exciting. Like, I just made money. These people value my music. And, it, yeah, it, it was, that was super exciting. You know, I did all these interesting things where I could... I didn't have to sell just the end product. It was almost like I was, it's almost like, I guess what people are doing with Patreon where they're like monetizing the process where I could, mm-hmm. I was creating like groups of work, which were like the original demo, my phone notes about like the concept of the song, mm-hmm. the, design, the, the, for the original photos that were used for the artwork and and the final song and making it like a package, like a digital package of like these kind of moments, almost like what, you know, on the inlay of an album, when I was growing up, you would get all this insight into the project. That was the only way you could get insight, right? They would have all these pictures of everyone in the studio. I loved that. And I think it's a bit like that, where it's just beyond just the idea of people collecting music, there was also experimentation. You know, each week something new was happening. A few weeks later, someone would just try something totally different. And, you know, I did things like sell a song as a fundraise. You know, like I'm going to sell this song. It's going to be a hundred editions, And the aim is to raise this much money to pay for my next video. Um, and you could just do it instantly with no middlemen. I could just upload it myself to the blockchain, put a price on it, and sell it directly to people. And everyone's like, "Yeah, it's the same as Bandcamp. It's not. It's not the same as Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Bandcamp's great, but like Bandcamp takes a cut. Bandcamp's owned by somebody, and they can change their pricing structure whenever they want. And you don't own it. You just get access to a download, right? right? And streaming's the same. And these things are not problems for consumers, right? <laughs> no one cares about what I'm saying in terms of like that's not a pain point for people. Mm. But but it might be one day, right? Like you know." It we don't change streaming services very often because we don't want to move our playlists because we can't, but there's no real reason for that. You deciding to put songs in that order is not their copyrighted material. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be. That's yours. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to take your playlist to other platforms. They don't own that. <laughs> they don't own the order you choose to listen to music in. Right. But they do, but they actually do. They yeah. own that data. And I think like, all of this was going on in my head and it it was just a niche space where like suddenly the shackles were off copyright wasn't being, you know, like talked about much because we as artists didn't care. Well, not everyone, but I certainly didn't, you know, like I, if people want to go and listen to my music for free, they basically can anyway, right? Like Spotify is free. Whatever anyone says is free. And, the payment you get from someone listening to a free Spotify play isn't 0.003. It's much, much less. Mm. Um, so, you know, if I'm putting my music out there, it's kind of free already. What I was doing in the blockchain was for people who wanted to something deeper and something more. Um, and I always did them side by side. I wasn't one of those people who did. Um, this idea, I've always from day one, there was lots of people in that kind of using the blockchain to do like, I'm a, I'm an NFT music artist. I was always like, I do both these things. Mm-hmm. On this day, this thing happens. This music goes out in the world. The video goes on YouTube. And if, if you really want to get deep, there's 10 copies of this thing that I've made on the blockchain that you can buy. And if you do buy that, you get access to like a chat group that I run, like a pass, and I share all my demos, all my workings, everything I learn about the blockchain, anything you want to ask me about the music or how I promote it or what I do, you can ask me. Um, Mm. And that was really interesting to people. We We built like a little community together, all experimenting and making people feel a part of the experimentation. Like I was asking people like, how much do you think I should make this worth? How do you think I should do this? I did things like you could submit. One of the artworks, one of the songs I did with a friend of mine called Scott Quinn, we did something where you could submit photos, which is similar to what I'm doing now, Mm. you know, to be a part of the artwork. And I built the artwork out of all the people um, that have been supporting these photos. And you just can't, I I could decide to do that that week, execute it and put it online in a very mm-hmm. quick way, without giving up a single penny
1: to yeah anymore.
0: um i'm not saying i was making loads of money <laughs> but you know i did sell some one of ones right like i did make you know in the same way that we hear in the press of like people and those kind of artists i did make pieces of my work like the original demo of real friends and the original demos of that ep because they went on to then be like I mixed them and i got them mastered and i changed the arrangements to make them more palatable but the original demos as i made them were like six minutes long mm. uh, and didn't sound the same because of, you know they were my demo mixes and i still love those versions and i was like why do those versions not matter and i put them up i i did what people call a one of one so like an original piece there's only one of them and people bought them for Quite a substantial amount of money like 700 800 dollars um as you know patrons as art collectors as people wanting to collect you know the work of the people experimenting first so yeah i I almost don't want to use too much the language because i want people to turn off (laughs) Mm. but it is interesting i think people are getting we're getting away from the kind of I don't know. I'm in that world, so I hear a lot of artists. There's a really great artist called Verite, who's always been on the very much front line of experimenting with this stuff. Um, But she has a very established fan base. And her journey has always been, well, my fans, I'm doing this thing, it's working, but my main fans don't want it. And that's not surprising to me. Of course, they don't want it. They're already consuming your music in a very Mm -hmm. happy way. They don't have any interest in this at all. They, but i don't have a fan base <laughs> so i'm interested in like what if i talk about this thing from day one if you want to listen on yeah. spotify it's not spotify want to buy on banker? buy a banker if you want to explore this thing that i'm doing that maybe could offer some kind of alternative future for artists or could be the building blocks for like a different you know way of creating value around your work then come and join in and, and learn and be a part of it um, and explore it with you Me Mm. and that has been the journey, and it's kind of self-funded itself. That's been the thing that I tell people: it's not, it's not paying for my life, but it's funding itself, right? Like I don't take money out of my, you know, my day-to-day life to pay to promote my music anymore. You know, like I sell my music and I fundraise for my music, partly through streaming, partly through merch, and partly through um, the Web three stuff. So, yeah, and that's, you know, still what I'm doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, before we get right into bubbles and because in order to talk about bubbles, there's the Web3 project that surrounds it. But yeah, firstly, how would you, there's people who inevitably are going to have their guard going up hearing you talk about blockchain and Web3. How would you kind of, I don't want to say sell it to them, but how how would you... um, I guess yeah well if someone was very skeptical or even gets upset by the notion of um blockchain music how would you um yeah how would you explain I, the reason I, you're doing web free project behind it
0: my biased views are, you know like I come from a specific place of of you know I'm, I'm quite into punk culture mm. and the establishment culture and the, the very basis of it is an infrastructure that isn't owned by anyone Right, you know, like, and originally people were excited about that because they could, like, s- create projects and fund them and spend money without needing a bank account, which for like a lot of places in the world is really important, right? Like people can't get a bank account without certain documents. And the blockchain was, you know, a way to, it, well, it's, it took off <laughs> publicly because it was a way to make financial transactions without any middle people. Um, and and that's still that kind of like identity and concept is still like important because we are now starting to openly have the conversation all the time that the system we have isn't healthy. Right. Like we create content. No one likes to think of it like this, but we sign away the rights to all of our photos, all of our content to mm-hmm. Instagram and TikTok. Right. We don't own any of that. Right. The platform blocks our account, cancels it, that's it, it's done, right? Like, that hasn't been problematic so far because everything has been so fast to move the last five years. But but there is like a big impact of that, which is that we are creating things for free and there is a guy at the moment in America, largely, Zuckerberg or Jeff Mm. Bezos, whoever these people are who are making profit, right? But we don't, you know, you are putting content on instagram instagram doesn't make any content it's not a tv show it's why they make so much Mm. money it's not like netflix where they have to make content that you like for you to go on there Mm -hmm. we're all just manufacturing work for a company that makes basically a hundred profit you know yeah because they all they have to do is run a platform and it's been a very exciting time because of this because we don't have to pay to put the work up but there is problems coming and if in music that's happening in spotify right there subscriptions are going up but the model itself isn't really functioning well for like a healthy music world right like all the money goes to catalogue and that's because catalogue gets priority in our lives but it also gets priority on the platform because of the people who own the platform it's it's become very messy those platforms are unbeatable for discovery. No one's going to make a new Spotify, right? Mm. People might make a more artist-friendly version of a streaming platform. There are some really great ones that are being experimented with um, and music platforms, like I was mentioning, like, yeah, Super Collector, and Zora, and all these places, and Sona that are like a streaming Mm. platform, a different model. There's all these great things happening, but really the system isn't working. And there's really lots of, (laughs) there's lots of issues for that. I think my, my thing to people who find it worrying in any way is that you just don't need, there's this idea that, you know, people are worried about, you don't need to have money to explore it, right? Like there's lots of free ways to explore this ecosystem Mm -hmm. of independent things being built. I think independence is the main argument right now. Independence and ownership, that's it right like it doesn't matter about (laughs) when people start talking about it it doesn't matter about what other people are doing like it doesn't matter about this ape thing I i never really understood why people found it so offensive that people value things right like billionaires buy dumb stuff people with money buy dumb stuff that none of us would buy um fraud happens anywhere right like old people are just getting ripped off daily using telephones right like People are stealing our bank cards. The fraud is happening everywhere. That's just like a, a bullshit narrative that people like to use. It's also happening in crypto a lot, right? It's happening everywhere. Um, but really, it's it's about sovereignty. Ownership is the main thing. It is that we whatever you do on the blockchain, you own access to that data. That's it. That's and that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Everything you do, you don't own the data. Everything that happens on the blockchain is public. Is public. And then that's it. The the why that's useful to you is going to take some time to kind of find. Mm-hmm. But a great reason if you're a musician listening is it's incredibly hard to get heard. There's way too many people making music than ever could be consumed, mm-hmm. and it's possible to, for people to find you. But there is this really cool, interesting niche where by getting involved early, you can be ahead of the curve. And it's exciting. I just think mentally for me, it's been like um, just like a new door opening rather than just like going on TikTok, watching someone's business tips of how to get streams and how to get likes. I think those things are all important as well. But yeah, i just feel like I'm a part of something different that's interesting and special. And The, the rest of it, but I don't think people need to worry about too much. I think... If you can learn spend time learning how to get views on your content, then you can read a few articles mm. on <laughs> on the blockchain and it's getting abstracted right there's some really interesting platforms where you don't have to do much. you still have to go out and sell your music mm-hmm. right there's no, there's no world where like people are just flocking to buy anything they find, but you own that you're in control of that and and it's always going to be there and I think that will become more interesting to people
1: as time goes on. Yeah, it's like when you said someone bought your demo for $700, it got me, obviously some people would really raise their eyebrows and be like that's insane to pay $700 not even for a song but for a demo, but um, it got me thinking how it's not considered weird to spend $700 on a watch, like I'm wearing a Casio black plastic strap watch I bought on eBay and there's nothing really objectively better about the $700 (laughs) watch is there, it's just with marketing and they've just created this sort of notion of value around the the yes. fancy um and it's just weird how music, even though people spend so much of their lives listening to it and they'll go to concerts and queue up and all the mad things that go into going to a concert or I mean look at Taylor Swift's tour. The lengths people are going to to go to these it's insane, isn't it? And but when you talk about selling your song for an amount of money that means you can put food on the table, it's like
0: it's the physic 50- yeah. the 50- the Physical versus digital thing is the big barrier, right? But but yeah. people do value like your Instagram followers, if you're a business, are priceless, right? Like mm. digital things do have value, but you we just don't see it that way yet until they're taken away from us. Um but there are people that value digital assets and you know, people tie a lot of things to them, right? Not everyone is just relying on a digital asset. There are a lot of performers that are using them like a undeletable pass of access, you know whereby you buy this thing, like you know, and you get access to all their live shows, or they do like, you know, like people on Patreon do. We do these things every week where you can come and be a part of the live stream, our rehearsal. So I think the open box thing is the, or the empty box thing is what makes it so interesting is you can kind of do anything with these with this like digital passes or whatever you want to call them. The 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 fact that people can't physically hold it and touch it. I think it will change. Art, mm. the di- art has always been done better because it's easier to display a digital piece of art that you bought, right? Like me and you can't, but <laughs> people who love mm. that stuff can. Whether that's in their profile socially or like in a digital frame, it's kind of got like visual work has always had a um, an advantage that way. But I think for the blockchain for me as well, like I'm not doing loads of songs on the blockchain, right? Like mm-hmm. my current project, isn't really about the song it's about like creating artwork together and like fundraising and and co-creating you know like using these new technology rather than it is about like i'm selling a song in a different way so i think that's the exciting thing you know like i can you can do whatever you want with it so many different things you could do with it and it's very hard to find i love speaking to artists and being like what could we do tell me then you know tell me about your song tell me what it's about mm-hmm. What's it inspired by? What does it mean to you? And finding an idea in that that makes it worthwhile to use this technology um, or interesting. Um, yeah, so it was great when someone paid for that thing. I think those people, for them, it's like um, it's like buying any kind of collectible. It, the fact that it's physical, like people are like, yeah, but I can take, you know, when people buy like a limited edition things, they very rarely are like holding them and playing with them. Right. Even Mm -hmm. my friends who buy vinyl, they still listen to Spotify way more than they listen to their vinyl. Yeah. But they still have that ceremonial physical moment. I do understand that, but Mm -hmm. there is like, um, yeah, it's just, it's a feeling, right? Like I've still got my Glastonbury tickets for my first Glastonbury on my wall Mm -hmm. because they have emotional value to me. and, And that physical thing signifies them. And, I might lose that, right? (laughs) But at least if the song exists forever. Um, So, you know, it's complex, but it's boundaryless. And I think that's exciting. It's also scary, but it's, you know, as we've talked about, people find it scary. But I think for me, it's, having done music for a long time, and felt quite trapped by, I don't know, by the
1: process and the way
0: things have gone.
1: Mm. Can you talk us through um, Bubbles, the song itself, um, I'm assuming you're doing like a regular Spotify release and everything, and then how it all broadly, how the song and the Web3 project you built around it, and all the uh, so cool. fan interactivity. Yeah, I'd love to hear about it.
0: Cool, okay, so th- I'm doing an, I'm doing an album because I've always wanted to do an album, but I kind of was thinking a lot about like what, people always say that albums just don't work anymore, right? Like, there's no space for, like, what we understand as albums. So I was thinking more about, like, this group of music that I'd made. Um, And the music was very getting back to the real friends kind of thing, which was, like, putting my life in my music and, you know, like, not trying to make dance music, just trying to make me music. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Scenes is the name of the album. And I kind of had this idea about... It actually came from like the idea of value of music what we've been talking about right like how we all love music we get married to it so we cry to it it reminds us of our best times of our life where it attaches itself to all these moments in a way that nothing else can but at the moment we're all consuming music in a way that doesn't really bring a lot of value to music so i was thinking about that and what is unique about music and that is it right like it attaches itself because it's not visual, it attaches itself to visual experiences. So like mm. it blends with our senses in a way that other things don't like your art still has value that way, but you, you are generally like not looking at a painting while you're in an experience, right? Like in the same way that music kind of has these things where it's like happening at the same time. So I was kind of talking through with some of my friends who have supported my work about like, how do you, how do you create that connection? Right. If there's loads of people making lots of electronic music, how do you become the person that people have an emotional bond with Mm -hmm. that kind of happened with real friends accidentally? Cause I think the, the name of the song, the feeling of the song was like a very good fit. So I was thinking a lot about that. And I kind of came up with this idea of like, how do you, what if I like play the song to somebody and ask them a question that makes them, takes them back to a memory, and I came up with this idea to build like a website, essentially, where the song would play. This is what it does. You go to the website, you the song plays, and there's a question on the screen, which is something like, what is something you wish you'd told somebody? Or like, what is the best advice you'd had? I can't remember all the qu- quotes, but like there's a different mm-hmm. one for some. song. So this is what was really interesting to me is like, what is a future for music? For me, Is interesting is how do you tie in the concept and identity that's that the music came from, to to be like around the music as well and part of the project. And I had this idea and I crowdfunded it. So I went out through like actually using like um, blockchain to raise money. Um, Blockchain was just the thing it was built on. But like, I've got this idea. I want to build this platform whereby the song comes out. But before the song comes out, you could hear that song before anyone else you go to the website, you hear the song, the original demo before the single comes out. And there's a prompt that asks you a question and you respond to that with a photo of the memory that it makes you think of mm. and a piece of text. And because I'm very inspired by like 90s movies and indie movie culture, the outcome is like a custom piece of artwork. So like every everybody that submits, I make them a piece of artwork. I kind of anonymize the people in the photo and mm-hmm. um, so, so it's not like so people feel much more comfortable like talking about like personal memories and yeah. what happens is you everyone who takes part gets a custom piece of artwork it's not on the blockchain right it's good the whole point was is that like this thing is for everybody right mm. there is an end there is an end to this which is like if you liked this thing you can come and basically support my project by buying this I'm using normal money right <laughs> you can, mm buy a copy of this thing and support the project but really it was just about like can I make emotional connections with people um and Bubbles is the fourth single so for every song there has been like one of these rounds and every changes on the website when the single goes up and comes out everybody's submissions kind of goes up in like a gallery and you can go and you can read everybody else's submissions you can see them all Um, It's really cool to explore like all these different like personal moments from people that have responded to the question in different ways. And it's kind of like almost like a class photo or you like, you know, when a DJ turns around and takes a photo of the audience, it's like a photo. It's like this moment in time where like all these people recorded their emotions in response to a song and each song, the gallery gets bigger. And there's more, there's like a different question, a different color for each round and that's the basic concept it's like it's kind of like um it's almost like an exhibition that we're making together it's like yeah it's all moments music coming together in this kind of like gallery like capturing it in time um and that's the idea each song it goes again so um bubbles is another one of these songs where actually it's a sample of um my mum playing with my kids <laughs> and i was going back through and apart from the audio just being funny and making me laugh, and wanting to remember the way that my two-year-old said the word "bubbles," mm. it was like just one of the really cool moments where you're like, "Ah, oh, man! When you're that age, just like how how, how excited can you be about a bubble? <laughs> right? Like <laughs> mind-blowing, just like unbelievable excitement at this thing, and just that thing that you when you, I mean, when you're around kids or you know other things as well, where you're like, ah." Oh, that just pure emotion of, of like nothing else exists. You're not worrying about money and life and like your, where you're going and how you're gonna pay your bills. It's just like that pure joy that you you often see really commonly in like little kids. I was just thinking a lot about that. And, and I just, I often just start a blank page with like a recording of a memory in a moment, audio wise. And that's how the song started and actually I kind of built like an arpeggiator that's reminded me of bubbles (laughs) and yeah, the record was born through that, this kind of idea Mm -hmm. of fun moment. And actually listening back to it, I've actually been feeling like really emotional about it this week because um, my parents are getting older, right? Like I just suddenly had this realization that my kids might listen back to this in 10 years and they won't remember. They might not even remember my parents. I hope not. But like they might not, right? When you're 15, Mm -hmm. You know they might not remember that how important they were in their life so that's been quite interesting too for me to be like ah, oh, they're gonna listen back to that and hear my mum playing with them one day you know on that record which is interesting to me as well so yeah i guess it's an experiment everything i'm doing feels like an experiment with the emotional connection of music um and that's it Yeah, it's, it's free to take part it doesn't cost anything um, one of the pieces of artwork I choose, one of the submissions that everybody submits, I choose to be the official artwork. So, like each song, the actual main artwork on Spotify and Bandcamp and eventually vinyl will it be something that one of—I don't know if it's a fan or a friend or a listener—has submitted, which I think is quite cool. It's kind of like I'm not just putting my memories into these releases; everybody else is too. Um, yeah, and that's it. No. It's actually been really hard i thought people would love it mm-hmm. of, the people that have done it have been very emotional i've had like lots of people messaging me being like i haven't stopped and thought about these things for so long mm. it wants me to take a minute i've had people telling me they were crying when they did it other people telling me they've like sent them to the people they wrote them about as like presents mm. i've had people telling me they're sending this one the bubbles one that's happening now as valentine's gift you know like a i never said that openly to my partner before or like I'd never Mm. said that to my friend or I never really thought about how much they impacted me. So it has been like a very emotional journey. The hardest part of course, is that what I've discovered is that people love the idea, but actually getting people to stop and think about an emotion is actually quite a hard thing to do. Um, And and in that sense, it's really helped me find people who really want to support my journey, not necessarily like super fans. Mm -hmm. because I kind of think that concept's a bit of a myth, but people, a mix of people who either want to like really support this thing, care about it, care about what I'm doing, emotionally connect with it, or they've got something from it who have been through this process. And I've actually been able to, as an artist, give them something in return for that. And it's not like my face on a t-shirt. It's like, <laughs> I've made you a thing that has value to you. And I and the, part of the experiment is like, Does that make you care about the music more? Does that make you remember that song more? Does it make you just like stop scrolling when you see my video and watch the whole thing over other artists? I don't know the answer to any of those questions, but you know, I just felt like doing the same thing as everyone else all the time didn't feel like an answer. It just felt like, I don't know. I don't want to say being a sheep, because that's disingenuous again to like the fact that we're all doing this thing, trying to make it. We all just want to make a living. But it does feel like a lot of the time, like we're serving these platform metrics, shortening our songs for Spotify, making the intro shorter, you know, making all this content instead of making music, which actually is just basically part of our lives now. Um, mm. But yeah, I just it just felt like, I hope it's something that people remember and allows me to go out in the world with my next project that's going to be different and be like, look at this thing I did. <laughs> People really cared about it. Can you help me do this new idea? And I hope to be able to do something creative and experiment around my music for every release. But but for for scenes, there's still, including Bubbles, there's three more singles. So part of the idea is it's like um, episodal, you know, like like a TV show. It's not this thing that disappears. It's like, um, hopefully by the time we get to the end, more and more people learn about it and more and more people take part. I mean, I I only really have the capacity. I, each artwork I make takes me like half an hour. So like one of the rounds, we had 70 submissions. It took me days to make like all of these pieces of artwork for everybody. So it's been a bit bonkers. Like, But I kind of, you know, I hope people look back on it as like an interesting idea that maybe as an example of how you can be creative in different ways around your music, basically.
1: Yeah, because my reaction to it, Um, The reason it gave me a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling is because with the usual music release, um, it's just literally an artist saying, oh, please pre-save my song or go and stream it. And you're just asking them to go and double-click on a track on a platform. There's just no, it's like next to no connection. It's almost very cold. There's no investment on the part of the person. But you're like bringing people in and there's just a sense of um, investment.
0: And and that's as well. I'm glad that that's how it came across. I mean, the, the the challenge, obviously that's my take, right? But I think what's been really interesting about it that makes it an experiment is we didn't know how people gonna react. Mm-hmm. What I found is that a lot of people say what you just said. Um, but the alternative to that is is that like same with what we're talking about fears about like the blockchain things is that people just don't like new things it takes people a long time to get their head around new things if you're a music fan mm. at the moment and you're young you hear a song you like or you see it in a reel on instagram you click the link you go to spotify you add it to a playlist you move on Right? you kind of understand that journey you do it all the time so if someone comes along was like you know, like with mine and then like, oh, i can't really love this song and they click on the link and they're like, "Oh." what's this? This looks weird. They click on it and then it's asking them about like their memories and their life. A lot of people have been mm. like, oh, I like this idea, but I haven't got time for this now. <laughs> um, or, or like it gets emotional. They're like, I'll do this later, but they never do. So I think it, it's almost like um, it's become like, I almost want to like, reframe it as like an experiment or like, I don't even know what the word is. It's almost like an art piece in like our relationship with technology and music. Mm-hmm. right? Because, not just in the fact that people who did it loved it, but in the opposite, that like some people just, they want to go on their phone to kill time. They're watching telly, they're at the bus stop. They just want to scroll through shit, you know, like, and maybe they find something they like, but the, their reaction to the thing they like is just to like stick it in their pocket for later through this really mm-hmm. convenient method, which is Spotify. Um, Obviously people like yeah. us are like, yeah, but if you only do that, that music you love isn't going to exist anymore, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or it's not going to, those people aren't going to have longevity. And unless music artists are talking about that, I don't think anything will change, which is hard because it puts the onus on artists to like, communicate the problems, which artists shouldn't do. And maybe that creates barriers as well. I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all right listening to the people that have hit the algorithm. And there are also very good people who do that. Right. But there's also lots of very good people who work very hard, who never, you know things don't always come together for it's not it's not black and white it's not a meritocracy music is not a meritocracy anymore right like it's mm. not like make good music that thing of like make good music and it'll work out that is not true don't let people tell you that it's not true mm. <laughs> it can't too much music um for that to happen so it also doesn't mean the people that are making it don't deserve it it just mm-hmm. you know like but it's not a meritocracy. It's, you know, there's so many things involved. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that, like, it connects with enough people to want to support what I do because, like anyone, I want to do music full time. Um, mm. That is very hard.
1: Yeah. Um, well, slight change of pace, but I know um, you're a big user of Waves plugins. I guess a good place to start. Did you use um, many Waves plugins on this particular track for Bubbles at all? Or? I would actually have to load it up to check, but
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I use, um, I use weights across like a lot of stuff, you know, like I, one of the funny things is like often, you know, like I'll buy like something like UAD or, or other things, and I always come back to ways because there isn't anything that has that many options, um, in one place. And also so many, you know, I use a lot of, um, i need to i need to refresh my um my I mean, you know like you just become like someone who just goes straight for things without even i'm not like um a techie geek in terms of like names mm-hmm. i have like my go-to things that i always use
1: yeah I, well no what are your go-to's from um um waves, I suppose? Go-to. okay so let's have a look
0: Let's open up a session because i you know my go-to's often appear in every single session that i use are mm. you kramer Tape plugin mm-hmm. a lot all the time. Um I use Abbey Road saturator a lot all the time. I use the J37 um tape a lot. Um I like a lot of tape saturation as you might have guessed. Mm. Um let's have a look. Let's open bubbles and see what's on it. I you know I like the cl- I like the classics. Um let's have a look. I use the c6 a lot mm. i use a c6 compressor a lot um it is like i have like certain presets um in the in that that i really really love um say C- it's c6 and the c4 have always been like something that i go um to a lot i use the doubler a lot mm-hmm. i find that really hard to beat i I love like the flexibility of some of the and I like, use the h reverb quite a lot um something that I use um for a lot of vocals um i always i kind of like the quick fix plugins as well like sometimes I do like to mess around with like the maserati ones and things like that I use a lot of um i use a lot of like, the classic things but I still find like the easiest way to create the effects I want like the super tap delay mm hmm um, SSL bus compressor I use a lot, um, some of the functional things like, um, let's have a look what's on this. I like the SSL channel strips. Um, I, you know, some of the old ones, you know, like you find something that does what you want it to do. I use that like, the Arvox compressor quite a lot. Metaflanger I use quite a lot. Yeah, so I use quite a lot of Mac space. I still use MacSpace if I'm if I'm dealing with like trying to pull sub out from places. Um so I use a lot of it, but I, I use a lot of the kind of classic stuff. You know, I still weird like I know I don't use it for the same thing that everyone else uses it for, but I like I still use the L1 um limiter. I have mm-hmm. the L2 and the L3, but there's like a certain things that I like using those plugins for. Yeah. And the same with, like, the HEQ. There's certain, like, stereo and, like, mono stuff that, you know, like, I just have a thing that I know I can load up. I know what I can do with it. Mm. Um, I like the CLA compressors still, you know, like, they still kind of do what I need them to do. Um, Yeah, I use quite a lot of the API ones. I think, like, the most common stuff I use, I still think, is the stuff that I, I find it hard to find anywhere else that does the same thing. It's, like, some of the classics. Um doubler, max base, um usually somewhere in everything I make. R-based is what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Mm-hmm. R based. Yeah, R-based. It just, you know, there are lots of things that say they do that, but you know, still R verb as well are things that I just keep, I always go back to. Um and the X noise ones and those things, you know, like mm-hmm. People, lots of places have tried to do things as well, but they still, um, I still find they do it the best. And I also find that they are really, really good um, in terms of like usage, like the mm. balance of like usage compared to, um, yeah, like CPU usage compared to like Sonic output is still, um, they're so so well built. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, that's quite yeah. a lot. In <laughs> <laughs> this session, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Are there any um,
1: ways, plugins, you feel like are a bit underrated, like you use a lot, but you don't hear about other people using so much at so... all?
0: I think, like, you, you know, there is a lot of cheap options these days. A lot of cheap, like, plug-and-play options. And I think, like, in contemporary music, like, young producers I work with are less bothered about, like, colour. They They're less, like, bothered about, like, they just, you know, like they will have very, very quick workflows and they're often copying other people online. Um, mm. And that has an effect on on where they go for what they use. You know, like really, they're not mixing as much, right? Like, and the way that like plugins are sold to them, like new producers, like that I work with a lot of my friends, they are more concerned about what gives them a sound like a thing they've already heard right like they you know just like an you know they're very quick workers and um maybe that's why i don't know i still i think like if i'm actually going to get like critical <laughs> package sizes are a thing you know like they I think most producers still use Waves Um, but you don't hear about it too much because I think like things like sound toys they have like smaller bundles and they also have like cheaper versions and I, and I may not be aware of them for Waves mm-hmm. I still use kind of like the, the initial packages I bought right like I can't whether it was Mercury or mm-hmm. which of the ones that I, I, I got originally Um but yeah you know same with any creative industry right like creativity you know has changed like there's a lot of a lot of manufacturers it's a, it's a very profitable business there's a lot of people you making stuff yeah. So, yeah it's like music right there's, there's a lot there's a lot happening out there um this is a lot of choice you know I, I i still i imagine like every single mix engineer and mastering engineer i know would still um have waves and everything um mm-hmm. but in terms of like um producers making beats like beat makers or like dance music producers. I have no idea. I have not no idea. I still think like you can't beat some of the compressors and things, especially when you're dealing with vocals. I know like I, d- I know definitely for a fact that most mix engineers are, are using waves. Um, so like producers I work with will use waves on um, vocals and things. But dance music even pop music right like a lot even if you're like a young producer making pop music you may not even realize how much the mix engineer is doing on your record like the, the labels are still getting a lot of additional production done and mix production done and those people <laughs> are using a different set of plugins to the to like the people like doing the creative side of making the music um so yeah i guess different strokes for different folks there's, yeah. there's a lot of There's a lot of options out there. I mean, I find myself buying a lot of stuff and going back to the classics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to quickly ask with uh, beats and simps and sounds, do you lean towards VSTs or hardware or are you like a balance of the two?
0: I have just gone, I have got more and more. um, I've got more and more in the box and more and more VST. plugins these days i do have some physical and i love them but and i think they've become weird i think like tiktok and visualizing your work those things have become more attractive again in that like and also the amount of options in because there's so many options and so many places you can start i think like physical has come back with like with like a lot of producers i know because it's There's almost too many options online that they can just start with this thing and make a sound and you have that kind of physical connection with it. that You just can't beat, but it's really expensive. Like if you go online and look at some of the people that are like my peers that make music, you're, I know they're not buying that. They're not making their living off their dance music because you know, they can't afford thousands. You know, there's like 10 grand worth of synths in their studio and they're on their fourth single, which has got 4 million streams, right? Like you're not paying rent and for food and <laughs> and buying all those synths of dance music like unless you're really really good of course and DJing lots and doing all those things um so yeah I think it's been a massive comeback it's really common now for like a lot of the cool um, people around me to have like one or two good bits of physical gear I still just like I still just love to be able to come back to everything I do and I think I put a lot of my realness and wonkiness in comes from the sampling. I'm still like a big sample geek, so I, you know, yeah. I'm using, you know, whether even when I'm using samples in synthesizers, right? Like I'm adding noise and we're in wavetable synths mm-hmm. or bending and stretching things, and why I, I, I use a lot of tape saturation, you know, to add a lot of like color and mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I just find it very hard to come back. And not be able to load it up and go back and change things i'm, I'm a bitty worker i'm not like someone who yeah. just finished back in a day um i like that i can come back and change things and add sections and changes and mm-hmm. um, i often make mistakes i need to go back multiple versions to find out what i did um you know what? like in bubbles i have a good idea of what the arpeggiator is but i don't have a session with the synth in like right. i bounce this audio, froze it, in Ableton and whatever, and um, I don't know what it is. I, I think I'm pretty sure it's Diva, but I can't get back to that, um, which I think, I think I'm think i hearing a lot of people saying again, like, I like that you put it down, it's done. Um, but buying synths is very expensive. It's a very, like, let's keep it real, like, middle yeah. class, class thing to be able to do, right? Before you, <laughs> yeah. before you pay money for music. I come from that background too, right? Like, my parents helped me buy my first guitar and things. It's not a diss, it's just there's a reason that grime sounds like grime, right? And it's because
1: yeah. people have access to a Some of them are literally making it on PlayStations and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like free really like... that stuff. What was available on crack, right? Like what, yeah. what can we get? And like what, what are the tools that we have available to us? But that's how really exciting stuff happens. That's how mm. hip hop happens. Right? Like, yeah. it's just like what what we have available to us. And also I think like there's always there's there was obviously a very commercial path in EDM, but there's also like it's very easy to make music that sounds like other people and and that might be like a good goal for the short term but i just don't know if that's a good goal Mm. long term i don't know clearly marshmallow is not going to agree with me (laughs) right yeah those people are unicorns whether they like to admit it or not Mm. um that is just the reality um but yeah so i i still love analog sounding (laughs) If I could afford them, I would buy them in real life, right? Like I use all the Arturia stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Yuhi stuff. I use Diva on everything. I love Diva. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, I seem to be one of the only people, but it's just a Sonic thing, right? Like I've got other producers around me, and I watch all their demos, and they're just using a very different set of synths. And I hear that I hear that in their music. The audience probably mm-hmm. doesn't, but yeah. you know. I can hear a producer whose main tools are like serum and other like wavetable synths like that. And they can be used to make really cool sounds. I use them too. I just mean that like, yeah, it's like your, your set of tools. I like to think helps build a sound and a sonic identity or I'm keen to have a sonic identity. I'm playing a set in a few weeks. I've got lots of tunes by producers who I think are fucking amazing, Mm -hmm. but they don't think they have like a particular sonic identity. The sonic identity is they're really good right yeah. but like they make, they make garage they make house they can execute kind of any style if they find a good vocal and drop it up you know they're, they're just like they're like like they're like crafting the drop like the, the kind of like the generation of producers that are coming up at the moment maybe because of TikTok as well mm. it's all about the drop it's all about the moment because and i think yeah an effect on that i think that's you know i go to dj sets that are going nuts the crowd are going crazy but it's interesting to me because i'm like brother there's just no build-up here Mm. it's like one and a half minutes of every song um and i think that is a probably just you know society right like we're just consuming Mm -hmm. things in different ways um so yeah I, i i'm an analog person because that's what i love you know that's the sound that i love um but it doesn't you know different strokes for different folks as
1: you say yeah well jamie thanks so much for your time i know we've gone down some very big rabbit holes yeah sorry, there. Um, yeah it. how's um how are things looking in the next few months and and also i'd love to ask if um if someone's brand new to you is there like a song or project or ep you'd love to point them towards as a great intro- introduction to sound of fractures
0: my single real friends is the classic introduction to what i do mm. um and it's, it's, it's still the way that people discover me mostly, but if you're interested in music and emotion and life, come and check out scenes. You know, it's I've tried to build a world that you can come and check out, anyone can, do it doesn't cost anything. It just, it's the link in all my bios, just click on it and submit a memory and come and take part in the project, be a part of the group photo and um, when we all look back in time at this
1: period. Amazing, yeah. And then, and, and then, do you know what's next after scenes at all, or is that not lined up yet? Um, I've
0: got some music. You know, I, I'm thinking about doing like a collaboration with a label. You know, doing a release with a label for the first time, maybe just like a single or something, just to open up my world. I've got a gig in Paris in a couple of weeks at a really cool festival called a Su Radar, cool. which I'm really excited about. Um, I haven't been doing many gigs or DJ sets because I've been trying to focus on uh, music. So I'm excited about that. And Scenes is going to run for a while because when the the actual final single comes out and the album drops beginning of April, um, I want to do like a gallery exhibition for it somewhere, you know, like put all the artwork that all the listeners created up on the walls, have DJs, um, cool people come play music and exhibit the work. You know, that's how I I want to try and do it. It's like albums... Music shouldn't, should exist beyond the week it was released. Mm. Um, I'm interested to try and like see if like building this kind of like personal story with the audience around the music enables that to continue and, um, do like, you know, a month or two of like sharing this thing we've co-created together with the world in different
1: ways be that through like content, yeah. social, media, um, yeah. Live. Yeah. No, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.
0: Headliner Radio,
1: supporting the
0: creative community.